And welcome to the Pure Opelka podcast for Wednesday, November 16th. A very important day. Last night was obviously a very important night for Donald Trump as he uh, relaunched his presidential aspirations and hopes for a second term. We'll get to that story. The biggest story of the day, though, has to be what's going on in the war between Russia and Ukraine, which for a few moments yesterday, a few hours, we were concerned that Russia had escalated it by hitting Poland with a missile and killing some people. And there was a lot of confusion. And the, um, the Pentagon immediately jumped up and wanted to make sure that uh, we didn't jump the gun on this and wanted to make sure that, in fact, uh, there was truth and reality about what was being reported. And so they gave us what we thought was a kind of a nothing burger. But apparently this statement turned out to be an important statement yesterday from the Pentagon. Let me go ahead and highlight up front that we are aware of the press reports alleging that two Russian missiles have struck a location inside Poland near the Ukraine border. I can tell you that we don't have any information at this time to corroborate those reports uh, and are looking into this further. And so when we do have an update to provide, we'll be sure to do so. And I think that's the smart thing to do. And pretty much uh, reporting on every bit of breaking news is to try and give you actual facts first and then where there is not clarity to make sure you get clarity before you jump. Even the president, when he was uh, called yesterday during a, a brief gathering of G7 nations after this report happened, even the president kind of gave us the right response, though a lot of people in the media were saying, um, this is a problem. Check this out. They're all at the table, all the G7 guys. Mr. President, can you tell us what you know so far about the explosion in Poland, sir? No. Thanks, Press. Thanks, Press. And then they were shuffled out. Can you tell us what happened about the explosion in Poland? No. And then the uh, media handlers jump in and go, get out, get out, you gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. But that technically was the correct thing because he probably didn't know too much probably had no real idea and then shortly after that after the emergency roundtable of the g7 joe biden was approached again and that's where he said this mr president you really to say whether this missile was fired from russia there is preliminary information that contests that i don't want to say that till we completely investigate but it, it is, uh, I, 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 it's unlikely in the minds of the trajectory that it was fired from Russia. But now that statement uh, is a little confusing because he said it's unlikely in the minds of the trajectory that it was fired from Russia. That really doesn't make any sense in the minds of the trajectory. I think he meant considering the trajectory. And now it appears, and again, as we're recording this podcast, it appears that the, the missile that hit Poland and took the lives of two people may have been deflected by a Ukrainian defense 
firing. And you got to think about it this way. If, if someone's attacking you with a bat and you pick up a stick and hit the bat out of their hands and it hits somebody else, that's not really your fault. You were defending yourself. It's the fault of the person attacking you. And that's kind of a very simplistic way to look at it. But I will give the president credit for basically saying the right things in this situation. It's very rare that happens. Later in the podcast, we're also going to hear from uh, Gordon Chang, Gordon G. Chang on Twitter, about uh, the uh, meeting between Xi Jinping and uh, President Biden. And I'll ask uh, Gordon Chang to give Biden a grade on his performance in that meeting. I know the Chinese are already trumpeting it, that it was a big win for them, a huge success for them. Of course they would. They made Biden look subservient in that meeting. But we'll keep an eye on all of this stuff. And I will be covering it uh, this afternoon in uh, my fill-in work on Washington's Mall, WMAL, in Washington, D.C., from 3 to 6 p.m., filling in for the great Vince Colonnese. So join me, won't you? Uh, Back to Mr. Trump. Last night was the night from Mar-a-Lago. And uh, not a big secret. A lot of us hoped that maybe he would delay this until after the Herschel Walker, Raphael Warnock runoff was finished. But Donald Trump's going to do what Donald Trump's going to do. Plus, he probably had a deposit on the ballroom at Mar-a-Lago. And I have to tell you, my wife watched the speech with me, which is something she rarely does. And she was impressed with Mr. Trump, especially with his control and his delivery. But more importantly, she said the content of the speech was spectacular. And she liked it a lot. Here's the moment everybody is pointing to, of course. Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests and my fellow citizens, America's comeback starts right now. And with that, he launched the 2024 presidential campaign to a very happy crowd. And, uh, and then uh, he went on to make a little news with some of the things that he announced as well. And um, I, I think some very smart statements. Of course, you got to make one statement about the GOP taking control of the House and what that actually means. We elected a group of incredibly talented America First leaders who will be stars of our party for many years to come. In the popular vote, another thing that's not discussed for the House, we must remember that Republicans won five million more votes, the largest margin in many, many years over the Democrats. Five million more votes, that's a big thing. Breaking the radical Democrats' grip on Congress was crucial. So in other words, because of our great congressmen and all of our great congressmen and congresswomen, we have taken over Congress. Nancy Pelosi has been fired. Isn't that nice? That may have been the biggest applause line of the night. (laughs) Nancy Pelosi has been fired. Isn't that great? But I do think the president made an excellent point, and uh, this is something that should be a bipartisan issue. This is something that should be able to start the reuniting of America, at least of the party. 
This was Donald Trump last night at Mar-a-Lago, just before 10 o'clock East Coast time. So he was about an hour into this address when he said this. We will abolish every Biden COVID mandate and rehire every patriot who was fired from our military with an apology and full back pay. An apology and full back pay. That, ladies and gentlemen, is brilliant. And I'm betting that there are others in the political world who are saying, I wish I'd have come up with that. I wish I would have come up with that. Yeah, sure you do. But you didn't. And you should move on this. By the way, NBC also is suddenly finding uh, the truth on some of the reporting it's doing, saying that, uh, yeah, myocarditis is a problem. When earlier in reports on, uh, on COVID, they weren't allowing that information out there. They called it disinformation. So maybe, just maybe, people are waking up to some of the problems with the mandatory vaccinations. Speaking of which, sidebar, a bunch of fired NBA referees are suing the league, saying they had to quit their jobs because they refused to get vaccinated. I have a feeling there's going to be a settlement there. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll talk, uh, maybe we'll talk um, to our friend Wendy Patrick about it another day. I have to give her time to do the research on all of these uh, lawsuits about uh, the jabs and people who got fired. Uh, Staying in the political arena, yesterday was the day that uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy secured enough votes to be the nominee from his party for Speaker of the House. And it's it's not a sure thing because he did not get 200 votes. You need 218. He got 188. And one assumes that the party will unite behind him. But one never knows. Nancy Pelosi may have a trick up her sleeve as well. Democrats, you can't trust them until it's over. Until McCarthy takes the gavel out of Nancy Pelosi's hands. And then over in the Senate, Mitch McConnell is getting uh, a lot of attention because there is a call for him to be retired from leadership. And there are folks who are saying they want that post. Rick Scott, Senator Rick Scott wants it. I don't think he's got enough political capital to get it. But McConnell thinks he has the votes and it'll get done. I think it's pretty obvious we may or may not uh, be um, voting tomorrow. Uh, But I think the outcome is pretty clear. I want to repeat again. uh, I have the votes. I will be elected. The only issue is whether we do it sooner or later, and I think we'll probably have another discussion about that uh, tomorrow. And I think that's a good idea to have that discussion and maybe delay it. That uh, vote could happen today because the the clip was from yesterday. And uh, let's let's say if if um, if Herschel Walker is elected, then you would be denying him a vote if you don't delay this. But McConnell is probably going to push to get this done. We will we'll follow that one as well for you. Uh, and keeping in, the, again, the political vein, um, another court. Now we've got two courts putting their foot on, on Joe Biden's dream of giving a lot of your money and my money to people who didn't pay off their student loans. 
And I want to remind everybody that way, 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 way back in July of 2021, Nancy Pelosi actually spoke the truth to the press about the student loan forgiveness scheme that these guys are up to. The one that I believe bought a lot of votes in the midterms, you know, 10 grand, maybe 20 grand for the people who have the Pell grants. Yeah, that's a whole bunch of money to anybody that that can buy a whole bunch of votes. Nancy Pelosi, though, actually told what the law was. People think that the president of the United States, is this more on the subject than you ever want to know? Will you let me know? People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would has to be an act of Congress. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way that works. And that's exactly what the judge said in the uh, in the Texas uh, circuit court that stepped on the um, the scheme. And now you had the 8th District Court, which uh, has has put this thing on hold. It has to go to the Supreme Court. And what would the Supreme Court do? Likely kick it back, which means this thing could be dead. And I'm happy about that. You take out a loan, you pay the loan. Also yesterday on uh, Capitol Hill, we got a little preview of what might be happening of what might be happening if the GOP takes control of these these hearings and these committees. Because right now the Democrats are stepping on us every time we want to have a, a committee investigate, say, Dr. Fauci or the origins of COVID or what the hell's going on on the border, which is not secure. Records are being set every day. Five million illegals have crossed the border just since Biden took office. And last month, last month, over 200 plus thousand, and that is uh, 333% higher than the average that came across the border in all of the Octobers when Donald Trump was president. So good job, Joey. But the um, Homeland Security Secretary uh, Mayorkas was quizzed yesterday about the border being secured and being closed. And he's lying too. Do you continue to maintain that the border is secure? Yes, and we are working day in and day out to enhance its security, Congressman. Right. No, Do you're you not. No, you're not, sir. You're lying to us. That's a flat out lie. You know, so uh, you need to be impeached. That would be one of the things I would like to see happen when the GOP is sworn in and takes control. I'm just saying that would be a, a top priority for me. Um, other news stories that I am uh, monitoring, some of them serious, some of them trivial. Uh, Ivanka Trump has said she's not going to campaign with her father. And I think that's something to be mindful of. Why? Does that indicate there's a split in the family? We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, is Michelle Obama going to run for office? I know a lot of people are worried about it. I think Michelle Obama would be a tough, tough candidate for a Republican to beat. I also think she'd have a tough time getting the nomination unless Barack cleared the path and said, look, uh, if you nominate Michelle, you're going to get a twofer. You're going to get me, too. But 
Michelle Obama, why do I think she might be a candidate? Well, she's got a book out, and people who tend to run for office put out books just ahead of the political season. So she's got a book out. She'll be doing a book tour everywhere. And the answer she gave when she was asked if Joe Biden should run in 2024. Check this out. This seemed painful for her to have to actually answer. Do you hope that President Biden will run again in 2024? You know, I, 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 I will have to see. I will have to see. What are you going to have to see? A psychiatrist? That's, uh, that's probably meant to get people like me speculating. But I also think Michelle Obama, Michelle Obama would love the power. She always felt a little power hungry to me. Just saying, just throwing that out there. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Um, the Michigan school we talked about the other day that has had um, Muslims protesting the school board and all the pornographic books. Well, gee, they were successful. The school removed the nasty books. I'm telling you this cross-cultural attack is a great idea and we need to link up with some of our strong conservative members of the Muslim community and march in lockstep with them to protect the kids and protect the schools. Looking at the economy, uh, you're going to see the highest Thanksgiving gas prices ever. Thank you. Look That's forward based to doing on the it again. Pricing. So along with the highest cost of your Thanksgiving dinner, you're going to see the highest Thanksgiving gas prices that you've ever seen. So good job, Joey. Really good job. Uh, the other story, let's do an update on Jay Leno. Uh, apparently the fire last weekend that broke out, he was working on a car from 1907. That's a very old car. Working on a car from 1907, replacing the fuel line is the story when um, the fire broke out because he got soaked in gasoline from this, this fuel line accident, and then it ignited and burned him, but burned him not as badly as it would have had not a friend, a visitor to Jay Leno's garage not acted quickly. The guy reportedly jumped up and smothered the flames. You know, that's what you kind of got to do. They always say throw a blanket on a burning person. And that may have saved Jay's life. He's apparently still going to need some uh, skin grafts. So uh, keep Jay Leno in your prayers. And then the creepiest story of all, I, I don't understand why someone would want this. Uh, I guess they're just total fanboy, fangirl. Um, the California house where Steve Jobs co-founded Apple is now a historical site. That makes sense. But the sandals he wore while pacing the floors of that house have been sold at auction. And these are old, really old, 1970s old, worn out brown suede Birkenstocks. And somebody... Somebody paid a whole lot of money. The auction house thought they were going to make in, uh, you know, take in sixty grand for these. The final sales price on this was $218,750. The buyer remained anonymous, uh, you know, with the auction house premium. That's more than $220,000. 
somebody paid for Steve Jobs' nasty, old, worn-out sandals. <laughs> Yuck. Oh, man, that's insane. All right, let's, um, let's check out um, what, what happened when Joe Biden met Xi Jinping. We only got a little bit of what went on with the three-hour meeting. Uh, we got the readout from the White House. There's also a readout from China. Not much is said in those. But the guy who keeps uh, close attention to all of that is uh, my friend Gordon Chang, Gordon G. Chang, on Twitter. And when we get back, Gordon will join us to tell us what he saw and maybe give a grade to Joe Biden next on the Pure Opelka podcast. The person who best understands not only what's going on in China as it relates to America, but the entire region is my friend Gordon Chang, and you should be following him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang, at Gordon G. Chang. And Gordon's with us now. Hello, Gordon. How are you? I'm fine, Mike, and thank you so much. No, you are making room for me today because you're a, you're a busy man today. Gordon, uh, when, you, when you watch the press conference and you watch the coverage of the meeting, the lengthy but you know, who knows what really happened and how long they actually talked about stuff. What was your initial take? Well, the initial take was the first moments where Xi Jinping and Joe Biden meet each other. That was uh, where you had Xi standing in the middle of the room and Biden walks across to greet Xi. Now, from Chinese statecraft point of view, this is the vassal coming to the greater celestial court mm. to pay homage to um, the Chinese. Now, I'm sure Biden doesn't view it that way, but uh, why in the world would the Chinese, why would the White House ever allow Biden to do that? Because it's clear that's the way the Chinese are going to present it to the Chinese people, and that's the way the Chinese people are going to understand it. And body language matters a lot, not just in our country, but especially in China. And that image, along with the handshake, which some people are calling a power grip, where uh, Joe Biden put his hand on top of she, his left hand on top of Xi Jinping's while he grasped his right hand. Does that tell you anything? Well, that, that's that's what Americans do. Um, and yes, one can interpret it that way. But before Biden could do that, he had to come halfway across the room. Mm. And there's something else about it. Um, one could say, oh, that's just symbolism. Well, for the Chinese communists, that's very important. But also there's something also symbolic, but also substantive. And that is Biden at his press conference announced that Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is going to go to Beijing. And again, this is going to be a, um, the Chinese looking at um, an inferior state coming to China to talk to Xi Jinping. So that's not good at all. Yeah, that would worry me, too. Golly, so we're, we're walking towards them. Then we're sending our secretary of state to Beijing. Um, none of the topics I wanted to be covered apparently were covered we didn't even broach the topic of the origins of COVID, did we? No, we didn't. Uh, and that is a serious admission because as of today, according to the Johns Hopkins Coronavirus Resource Center, 1,074,000 Americans have been killed by this mm. disease. This is a disease that should have never left central China. It left central China because the Chinese leaders wanted it to. They deliberately spread it beyond their country. 
And that means 1,074,000 Americans have been murdered. And uh, Biden, his most important responsibility, his most important constitutional responsibility is to defend the American people from foreign attack. And he's failed to do that. By the way, he's also failed to mention the origins of COVID in his five phone or video conferences with Xi Jinping. And so this is not just some omission. This is a deliberate policy to ignore the death of more deaths of more than a million Americans. Do you, now, Gordon, I didn't do a deep dive on the readout from either China or from the White House on this. Was the topic of tariffs broached? In general, it was because they, excuse me, they talked about economic issues, um, and obviously the Chinese want those tariffs removed. Now, maybe coincidentally, uh, Catherine Tsai, uh, Tsai um, the U.S. Trade Representative, uh, about four or five days ago, said that she would be entertaining applications for exemptions from the Section 301 tariffs, which is not a good thing. Hmm. Even if one thought that there should be exemptions, um, that looks like a unilateral concession to Beijing. I don't like hearing unilateral concession to uh, someone I consider an enemy. Uh, we're talking with Gordon Chang, Gordon G. Chang on Twitter, and uh, about the meeting today with uh, our President Biden and Xi Jinping of China. Uh, Gordon, where are you on what was said about Taiwan? Um, what President Biden said about Taiwan after the summit was actually not bad. Um, and the most important words he said was the United States opposes any unilateral change in the status of Taiwan, which means it's code for um, we will oppose China's um, forcible annexation of the island. But the problem isn't what he said about Taiwan. Xi Jinping, remember, has heard Biden warn him not to supply military assistance to Russia's war effort in Ukraine. And yet China has done that. And despite repeated warnings from Washington, um, the Biden administration has imposed no costs on China for doing that. So if you're Xi Jinping, you're thinking, well, you know, what Biden said about Taiwan sounded um, pretty resolute. But the point is, he is not doing anything to impose costs on China for obviously defying the international community on Ukraine. And so probably Xi Jinping is thinking, well, he's not going to do anything if I attack Taiwan. So there is a problem of misperception here, um, and Biden needs to be tough on all issues. Otherwise, we could have failure on across the board. We don't like the uh, idea of failure all across the board here. Um, North Korea and its recent um, uh, testing of uh, ballistic missiles and threats to test yet another nuclear explosion. Uh, was that even on the table today? Yes, it was. Um, and Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, and others were saying that this would be a topic of discussion. It obviously was. Biden talked about it at the post-summit press conference. Biden actually, in not so many words, but actually sort of indicated that the U.S. Um, response to a seventh detonation of a nuclear device might be military. Um, he didn't say it, um, but he walked around that concept, um, which was interesting. So, um, you know, we don't know exactly what Biden would do. Uh, maybe even Biden doesn't know what he would do. But uh, it obviously was a matter of contention during the closed door session. 
Okay. Um, before I let you go, Gordon Chang, uh, what what kind of a grade would you give our president today for this this meeting and whatever came out of it? Well, I'd sort of be in the C plus B minus range. The one thing that I liked that Biden did was, you know, Xi, Xi Jinping, in his opening remarks, thinly and thinly veiled comments criticized the U.S. up and down the line. And Biden, uh, his comment was really quite interesting, and, and no one's really picked up on this. But Biden actually said, well, the United States is willing to cooperate with you if that's what you want to do, hmm. which was, a, um, which was a, a comment which really went to the heart of the matter, because it's Chinese um, um, basic obstinance uh, that has caused these problems around the world. So Biden highlighted that in an off-the-cuff comment, which I suppose was um, thought about in advance. But if it wasn't, it was it was brilliant nonetheless. Well, we gave him uh, one comment, got a brilliant. And there were a couple other fumbles and mumbles and stumbles. That's, that's an interesting take. Gordon Chang is always here when I get the chance to have him on the air. And you should follow him at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. My friend, thank you and uh, my best to your bride. Well, thank you so much, Mike. And Lydia and I say uh, we look forward to seeing you sometime soon. Hopefully. Hopefully. Thank you. And there he goes. And here I go. When we get back, let us talk to Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Roizen always visits us, pretty much always visits us on Wednesdays. And we do Wellness Wednesday and uh, go over the research he has. I also have to ask him about this this uh, disturbing report that the sperm count is down by almost 50%, and it might mean a big problem for the world population, which just crossed 8 billion people, by the way. We'll talk to Dr. Michael Royson next on the Pure Opelka Podcast. Our friend, Dr. Michael Royson from the Cleveland Clinic, is joining us as he does every week to talk about health and wellness and living longer and living younger. And his new book, The Great Age Reboot, will help you do that with uh, a whole lot of information and a whole lot of guidance with the app, etc. You got to go to greatagereboot.com to get the details. Uh, Dr. Royson, you sent me a ton of research this week, and there is so much here. I don't. I want to try and get to as much as possible. But I have to ask you um, a side question first. Uh, do you mind? I, of course I don't mind. Okay, yesterday we, we got the news that the world population hit 8 billion. And that's a billion more people than we had uh, 12 years ago. It seems like the, the place is getting more crowded uh, and people are panicking about too many people. And then I read a story that says that... Um, Sperm production is way down. You know, the swimmers that are responsible for uh, triggering life uh, is way, way down. And humans could face a reproductive crisis as sperm counts decline. That's halved in 40 years. Is this nature saying the planet's too crowded or is there something else at work here? Um, no, the, this is uh, not nature saying it could get too crowded other than it's our nature saying um, we're getting obese. We're not doing as healthy things. We aren't as physically active and we've got a bunch of endocrine disruptors in our food supply. So we're not sure why there is a uh, sperm count decline. It's across the world. 
it uh, started we it started being tracked in about 2010 that this was declining in the average person of the same age uh, across um, Europe, North America, Australia, China, etc. Um, and the decline, the rate of decline um, appears to be increasing. It's in, and when you track it back, it goes all the way back to the 1970s. And uh, the question is, is this due to the foods we're eating, that is more processed foods? Is it due to the, um, if you will, personal care items we're using with endocrine disruptors in it? Um, it's unclear what's causing it, but it is consistent. Okay. Um, just for a little clarity, um, when you say endocrine disruptors, what does an endocrine disruptor do to our system? Well, instead of having the normal supply of estrogen and testosterone, um, it um, makes those hormones less available so that their effects on end organs, which are both uh, libido, but they're also um, production of, for example, sperm and release of ovaries, um, it makes them less likely to occur um, at the same times as they always have. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, now, let me go and All right. answer one more part of that question, if you will. All right. Um, if we get longevity, as we think there's an 80% chance we will, that is, there's an 80% chance that we're going to live younger, longer. If we get that, um, meaning instead of having a life expectancy for men in America of 77 and women of 80, which it is now, up from, by the way, about 42, 41 and 43 in 1890. So we've increased in a relatively straight line fashion. If we get a 30 year jump, which many of us think we're about to get, then and people because they're feeling good, continue to work longer, um, then, in fact, um, the decline in birth rates, which is occurring throughout the world, um, will not have an effect on population, and population will stay about the same or increase a little. Okay. So remember, if, if because of the... Um, declining fertility rate um, that we're seeing, for example, um, the population is expected to decline by 2100, not continue to increase. This is about the peak year, maybe through 2030. Um, and China, if you will, which has 1.4 billion people now, is expected to have only 700 million, a decline of 50% by the year 2100. So th these are big changes that are occurring because of the decline in birth rate. But if we live longer, then we won't have to worry about, um, in fact, the uh, population changes decreasing our standards of living. Okay. Okay. Very good information. Always great data from Dr. Royzen. 
looking at some of the research you sent me this week, we talk every week about the health of kids. And I have often wondered if video games made kids, you know, ride the couch more and subsequently they weren't as active and got fatter. But now we're hearing that video games might might make kids uh, have better cognitive strength. Yeah, this is the third um, study on this um, that I've seen. And uh, this was looking at kids who played at least an hour of games a day, video games a day, versus those who played none. And they looked at their brain function over a period of years. So this is school-age kids, um, and what they found is that on two tests of mental agility, short-term memory and impulse control, that the gamers did significantly better. Hmm. Um, so this is a, now, doesn't say anything about their physical fitness, doesn't say anything about um, their uh, long-term abilities, but this is at the point in time. Um, it's the 2,000 children. Um, they they looked at this. Let me give you the full background. The this is an A B C D study on kids' brain development. 12,000 school children in the United States starting at age 9 to 10, including MRI scans, etc., looking at brain size and brain function. And on average, these kids had uh, significantly higher scores under working memory, that is, ability to remember things in the short term, and um, impulse control. Now, the question becomes... Is this that the kids started playing video games because they had these characteristics or is it because the video games helped? It's a chicken and egg question, mm -hmm. if you will, because yeah. they looked at the kids who were doing this already. It wasn't a randomized controlled study in advance. Okay. So well, that's, that's the, the, there is a benefit. They, they did show a mental benefit. We don't know what it did to their physical statuses yet. Well, that's very interesting because I have so many friends who say their kids are always on the video games and they wish they were more like we were thrown out the door at the end of the day by our parents at the end of the school day, told to go play until it gets dark out and then come back, be active. Uh, and speaking of being active and going outside, vitamin D is something we get when we go outside. But we're now seeing that a vitamin D, D deficiency is linked to um, death. Is is that um, is this new stuff? I thought we knew vitamin D was always a great thing. Um, this is deficiency is looked at death. Okay. So this is, um, if you will, a decrease in vitamin D, and it and this is actually an amazing thing because it's a um, large effect. Um, that is that if you had a level that was below 35, that was abnormal. Below 25 is the what they looked at versus the average of above 50 versus they looked at 50 as the other level. 
and they also did a level 10. So let me tell you, if your level was 10, which we see in many minorities, that is brown and black skinned uh, people have that level because they don't get it from the sun very well. It increased cardiovascular mortality sixfold, threefold for cancer mortality and 12fold for dying from a lung disease. If you had a level below 25, and guess what? If you live in Pittsburgh, where the studies have been done, um, 83% of people in April have a level below that. It increases the risk about one point, about 25% for uh, cardiovascular disease, 15% for cancer mortality, but twofold for lung disease. So keeping your level up. Um, it's important to get it measured. We want it over 35 um, and uh, definitely not below 25. And so the Pittsburgh uh, numbers you would you would associate with uh, being inside during the winter, not getting outside and getting that uh, free vitamin D? Well, the sun doesn't have enough energy where you live or where I live to convert inactive to active vitamin D between October 15th and April 15th. So wow. even if you're out all the time, in the even if you're skiing, it doesn't help. Hmm. Meaning a north of a line between Los Angeles and Atlanta, if you live north of that, the sun's energy is not enough in between October 15th and April 15th to convert inactive to active vitamin D. So you've got to get it from food which is tough to do. Salmon is an excellent source of it. But even salmon, you don't get enough um, from that um, or supplements. So almost all of us say we've got to take vitamin D supplements year round. And it probably should be about a thousand international units a day. You want to check with your practitioner before you do anything I say, but a thousand international units a day for people under the age of 50. Um, probably in the 2000 range between 50 and 65 and then above 65 we start malabsorbing and it's got to be individualized okay okay but check with your own doctor your own practitioner one more um topic that we seem to talk about all the time doc the two big factors that will dramatically change health in this country and wellness seem to be a weight and smoking, you know, so your weight is a big deal. We talked about that earlier. Smoking, you have two things here that are kind of interesting. Teen tobacco use is down, but we have more work to do. And what the heck are low nicotine cigarettes? I'll take the second one. Low nicotine cigarettes, as the FDA has been uh, looking at studies where um, people are using low nicotine cigarettes. They're much lower, one-fifth the concentration of nicotine, to see if um, people get more anxious, if they get anxiety. That is, if smokers are given these, are these um, likely to cause behavioral problems in smokers? The good news is no low nicotine cigarettes, which we think people will be able to get um, off of, meaning they won't be as addicted to them, since nicotine is the addictive substance and the uh, the particulates that you burn are the, the hazard. The nicotine generally isn't the hazard other than it's addictive. Um, the uh, So they said, can you use lower nicotine subjects and without any problem, lower nicotine 
cigarettes? And the answer is yes, people don't go into withdrawal from them. The the good news, the really, and that's good news as well, but the even better news is six million kids smoked, um, if you will, this is high school uh, seniors smoked, uh, this, this is, sorry, this is looking at all um, teenagers. And it was six million in the U.S., one in nine uh, used a, current uh, tobacco product in um, 2019. In 2022, the number went from 6 million or one in every four and a half to one in nine. We cut tobacco, smoking, vaping, um, using any hookah, etc. from literally... um, if you will, from 6 million to 3 million, um, which is absolutely wonderful. It's a decrease of 50%, which we should celebrate, but it is still way too money. It's about um, 5% of the total. um, Well, it's one in nine. So it's, it's, what is that? uh, 10% of the total population instead of 20 percent well that is great news because they will be the key to living longer and and that um, that elimination of smoking and tobacco products in any form is very very important and very positive news uh, our guest is dr michael Royzen. he's he's part of the family here his books on uh on living younger and living longer the age-proof life series but the latest is the great age reboot and you go to greatagereboot.com for all the details about the book, about the app, and then you listen to him with me because he's always got great stuff. My friend, thank you so much. Thank you, Michael.